Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. B-Pod Studios. The Felger and Maz podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. To me, the whole thing with the finger under between the legs, antiquated, archaic, and weird. I mean, the whole thing is freaking silly. It's Felger and Maz, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. And on the last drive, uh, obviously facing some adversity there, uh, Mac bringing the team down the field to to win the game. What did you see from him, particularly in his decision-making, where it felt like he kind of stayed within uh, what the game plan had been prior as opposed to you know trying to, to do too much or, or force anything in, in those instances? All right. Well, I mean, you know, there were a lot of big plays on that drive, but you know, two big ones were the – you know, pass to Stevenson and, and you know, a great run that, that changed the field position, totally changed the whole dynamic of the drive. Um, you know, and then the third long conversion to Hunter, um, which then put us into field goal range and, and gave us an opportunity to, um, you know, try to win the game with a touchdown as opposed to just kicking a field goal to, you know, extend it. So, um and then there were a lot of other plays in between, but I mean, those are kind of the two, kind of the two critical ones. So, um, but yeah, Mac did a good job, but you know, I mean, the receivers, the protection, um, it was, they were all, you know, it's all part of it. It's good, good team, uh, offensive execution at the time we needed the most. All right, hi everybody. Welcome into the program, Felder and Maserati on a Tuesday, October twenty fourth. That was Bill Belichick yesterday, following up on that game winning drive by Mac Jones, a fourth quarter performance by Mac Jones, which our guest today referred to as a virtuoso performance. Mouse virtuoso, exact word. A virtuoso performance from Mac Jones, but you might be surprised to know. That I think he was just referring to the fourth quarter alone and not the game in general. That's how I interpreted it, yes. Well, I did not. I thought that was Greg Bedard of the Boston Sports Journal saying, well, this is a breakthrough game. This is Mac Jones's moment. And in fact, talking to Greg last night and soon to be talking to him in a second, yeah, I think he was just referring to the last couple drives. That other than that, he didn't grade out all that well, Maz. Correct. Your thoughts? Uh, so I would say the large majority of his good play, I, I thought before that he was good. He was good. He wasn't great. In the fourth quarter, he really made some big plays. And let's face it, at the end of the day, doesn't it come down to the last drive with Jones? Doesn't it come down to the last drive with everybody? 
Yeah, well, so we. But, I mean, but you're talking yeah, about that specific. Yeah, yeah, in his case, in his case, I mean, given everything we've said about his inability to make plays at the end of the games, get them over the top, win when the opponent scores 25 or more, like all of that. In this particular game, it was like, well, here you go. Now he's got a chance to win the game. He's had a good day, so let's see how it goes. And in this case, he came through. So, you know, there were a couple of big throws in that fourth quarter, which we, you know, we talked about. There was one to Brown down the right sideline, to Mario Douglas, the one to Hunter Henry that Murray has talked about. Like, those were big throws and key throws. And so, look, you got to give it to him. In the fourth quarter, he was good. Greg Bedard from the Boston Sports Journal joins us in our Town Fair Tire Studios. Hi, guys. Hi. I could I could put my chair down, but I, I, I'm sort of enjoying this. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you. <laughs> Come on, Mr. Five that's Foot some, Eight over that's here. That's some visual. If you're listening on uh, 98.5 The Sports Hub or on the podcast on 98.5 The Sports Hub.com or the app, you don't know what we're talking about. If you're watching on the simulcast where we beam every day across New England and the country on NBC Sports Boston, we've got two different chairs working. So, Greg's, Greg's, uh, I, I'm punching downhill on this one. Yeah, I feel but like the middle child. The little, little big boy. He's the wee boy like in the back seat, middle. Yep. <laughs> you weren't all that impressed with Jones until the very end. Oh, I thought he, he was. He was really, really good in the fourth quarter, obviously, on the two scoring drives. It wasn't perfect, though. I mean, the delay of game penalty, the strip sack would have been, if that held, I mean, the way he turned his back and, you know, it would have been like, oh, here we go again. Like, what's he doing? Just get rid of the ball. Like, don't try to be a hero, that type of thing. And then there was the near interception when he had Kendrick Bourne wide open with a nice cushion on the right side and and. and Instead, he tries to force it into Hunter Henry, almost gets picked off. Um, you know, but, you know, outside of those plays, he was outstanding in the fourth quarter. He absolutely was. But for the first three quarters, I didn't think he was that good. I thought he was watching the rush uh, at times, which I understand. And he admitted to after the game. I mean, that third and 11 sack in the third quarter was horrible. He had a pocket. He just turtled. He looked at the rush and, and you know, I had him for, you know, that I gave that sack to him. I gave him two hurries in the first half. He had a, a, as many quarterback pressures as City So on the line. And, you know, so I thought that the first three quarters was largely, you know, Billy O'Brien, the scheme, the differences, the motion, the RPOs. There were a lot of easy throws. And you look at, you know, the advanced analytics, his his average distance, uh, air distance was 4.2 yards. It was second lowest in the league. The only lower person was that Tyson Badgent dude for the Raiders, who was a you know rookie at a Shepherd Hill University, and his time to throw was the lowest in the league, and that means a lot of easy stuff was available on first read, quick three step drops, and and that's fine. I thought the game plan by Billy O'Brien and Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo were outstanding in this game, and I thought that you know largely the game plans were responsible for getting the Patriots in position. But then Mac Jones, he, he he did, and I know you guys were you know making fun of me yesterday. Um, I like how you do it no. without me here, not to my face. Um, but you know he did he did answer the remaining questions on whether he can do it was, you know, can he lead a game winning drive? Can he you know you know make up for a, a mistake? Kendrick Bourne made a mistake. He came down. He led the team down. He made the clutch throw with the game on the line. A multiple clutch throws under pressure. Take, will he stand in, take the hit, make the big throw? He did that multiple times in the fourth quarter. So, you know, I think just 
for one week, like give the kid his flowers. Like that was my fault. Go ahead. Your fault. I mean, you guys have been killing this kid for the better part of two years, and he he has his moment on Sunday against a good opponent against the Buffalo Bills who have owned you, and you know you basically like you know mock me and mock him. I mean, just just give the kid credit. You know, I know I don't expect that out of Big Jim Murray. I mean, if this was Tom Brady that did that on Sunday, Tom, Big Jim would have come in on Monday and would have been like, oh, I, that was so good. I said he was oh, good. I said Brady. he was good. What do you want me to do? Like, you know, blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, Greg. What do you want me to tell you? Like, oh, it was a virtuoso performance. It was good. It was. His fourth quarter was tremendous. Except, it for, was, the, except for the near pick and the delay yes, games. Yes, but did he get it done? Did he deliver two touchdown drives yeah. in the fourth quarter he against did. the Bills? It was good. And yeah. outdueled Josh Allen at the same time. I said he was the better of the two quarterbacks. So if we if we give him his props. Is that good enough for you, Greg, or no? I, I wasn't talking to you. If, if we give him his props, can we still mock you? Uh. Yeah, I prefer okay, you good. to do it to my face. Let me answer oh, it. I mean, if you guys have facing. a Jesus, would you please? So give all the that questions, arrest? Greg. How many questions does he have to answer? Because you've you've given an answer for one. What other questions did he answer with one good quarter? Uh, all the remaining Here. ones I had. Now he needs to do it again. Can he, now it is. Can he? Can he repeat it? Can yep. he, is this his new standard that he can do this on a week in week out basis? That's no. a legit question. I mean, and we don't know the answer yet. If you want to talk some football with Greg, 617-779-0985. I got you a chair, big boy. You want to switch chairs? Sure. So you're not in that spot? Yeah, we want to, and, we want to give you uh, some height. I mean, and that to-your-face thing. Well, what are we going to do, Greg? You're in on Tuesdays. The game was Sunday. You wrote something on Monday. Would you please What, this? you couldn't hold it and bring, bring no, it off? No. Do a segment. Yeah, make was, fun of me to my face so I can go back and forth with it you. It was virtuoso. You know, make, be good radio. It was virtuoso. Well, here we are. And I'm more of a Mac Jones guy than these guys are. He absolutely deserves credit. I have no problem with giving him all the credit in the world for doing it. He did it. And we'll find out in time whether it's a blind squirrel or not. I think he's closer to the guy than these two over here, for sure. Uh, and I think if he was surrounded by more, he'd you'd see more of that. I agree with that. But that, you know, I don't know if you want to go big picture on that. It still doesn't mean that um, we talked about this on TV last night. I still don't know if he makes sense for this place. Mac Jones does. Because I don't trust if Bill Belichick's the coach, I don't trust Bill Belichick to build the proper offense around him. So we, even if you like Mac Jones, you have to agree he's not someone that's going to carry the the unit. He's got to be surrounded. He's got to absolutely have the right coaching. He was a point guard yesterday. He needs to be a point guard. He's got the right coaching and the right pieces around him and all of that. And I don't trust Bill Belichick to build that offense. It's not in his DNA. I don't think he can do it. And uh, you say, well, you have the offensive coordinator do it. It's still there's still something that's just not functional about that if it doesn't come from the head coach. But this is all a this is all sort of a bigger picture conversation. Do you think Bill O'Brien deserves credit for the first three quarters? Oh, absolutely. What did I he mean, do, and what was the difference? It was you know the amount of motion, the late motion um, that you know really stressed when you look at this Buffalo defense because they're so you know ravaged by injuries. I mean, they're weak at defensive tackle. Um, they're extremely weak at linebacker. They took advantage of their linebackers, spread them out. Uh, you know, when they got into passing situations, they're also, you know, decimated at cornerback. Uh, you know, a, a lot of it was just, you know, the motion, the RPOs. Um, they they would, because Buffalo's so zone dependent, the Patriots at the last minute with that late, late motion would flood the zone with – you know, extra receivers. And it, basically the Bills couldn't account for him. And, you know, Mac found the weak spot more often than not. And, um, 
you know, and I thought that putting, you know, making it Demario Douglas and Kendrick Bourne centric, I think was huge. And it was something that we've talked about for a while. I think they need to go forward with that. I think it should be, you know, Kendrick Bourne, Demario Douglas, Hunter Henry, Farrell Brown is the number two tight end. Gasicki's now in the wide receiver room. Don't even put him in with the tight ends. And then, you know, when you have, you know, three and four wide receivers, then you figure it out down the line. But I think, you know, the the approach, they I I don't know what happened. Um, I'll be curious to find out talking to people this week. But I mean, from to, to go from the attack that they had, and I I don't think it's as simple as, okay, we trust the offensive line a little bit more. That might have been it. I don't know. But they went from looking like a nineteen ninety four offense to all of a sudden looking like a modern offense overnight. And um, I thought it was very impressive and, and was, you know, largely responsible for getting this team off to a really good start. Defensively, more specifically, you said game plans on both sides were good. What defensively? Well, you guys know that, you know, I'm, I killed them after the Dolphins game this year. I've killed them after the recent Bills games where they basically were like, we're not going to play defense. We're just going to hold back. We don't want to get blown out. We're not going to try to make plays. They did not do this, that in this game. They came after Josh Allen. They blitzed him 50% of the time. They had 13 uh, cover zero blitzes. I mean, they brought everybody. And they also did a great job of, you know, they would bring an extra guy, but one of the guys would, you know, hang back, whether it was, you know, Duggar or Mac Wilson or Juwan Bentley or, you know, whoever, and they would be uh, a Josh Allen spy. And I thought their, their rush plan against Josh Allen was awesome. And I think, we talked about it going into the game, but when you look at the Giants game and some of the games where the Bills have struggled, you have to get Josh Allen frantic. And what the Patriots had done in their previous matchups was, well, we're going to drop eight or we're going to stay deep. Josh Allen's going to kill you. He's going to run around by time, and then then one of his guys is going to get open. They, now you make Josh Allen make make a throw quicker, and his guys can't get open. You know, even Diggs, and, and I have a bunch of issues with what Ken Dorsey did you know, with their offensive game plan. They're a mess at this point. But, you know, the aggressiveness by both the offense and the defense uh, was a complete breath of fresh air, and I thought the coordinators did an outstanding job this week. Well, let's talk some football with Greg Bedard. Uh, and he wants you to give credit to Mac Jones out there. Do you hear him? 617. And say it to his face. 779 to Me, his face. Uh, one good quarter. Yippee. Let's, let's, let's ride him to Canton. Yay. And he answered all the questions. That's great. Yeah, Greg. I'm, yeah, right to your face, Greg. I'm saying it to your face, Greg. You suck. <laughs> yeah, look at me right in the eye through the glass, Greg. You can't do it. Yeah. 617-779-0985 to you right after this. You know that education changes lives. But did you know you can get a degree at Cambridge College while you work full-time? It's because their programs are designed for busy adults with flexible schedules, 24-7 support, and affordable tuition. Plus, at Cambridge College, you can go at your own pace, which is helpful because, you know, life. Whether you're considering a degree or certificate, you owe it to yourself to check out Cambridge College. Ready to change your future? Get started today at cambridgecollege.edu. So what? Um, so annoyed by that. So annoyed. 98.5, the sports hub. Jones out of the gun. Three receivers left to the right. He stands in. He throws down the middle. Pass is caught at the five. His best throw of the day. Connecting with Demario Douglas. No question. His favorite target of the day. First and goal to go. This kid can play, man. 81 can play at this level. The lights aren't too bright. He played in Liberty. We know the story. But this guy, you got to find more ways to get number 81 
Demario Douglas the ball. The play clock with plenty of time. And they come. Shotgun snap to Jones. Extra rush is coming. Jones throws down. Good call by Henry at the 25. Just before Mac Jones took a shot, he threw to the tight end Henry. Who makes Jones. the grab on the far hash at the 25 with a hit by Taylor Rapp. All right, two of Mac Jones' best throws, if not his best throws on the day. Which, for the record, Greg, we talked about extensively yesterday. After the delay of game, first and 15, right over the middle to Demario Douglas. Put it right in there, good throw. And the next one on the final touchdown drive, the game-winning drive, third and eight, just outside probably a field goal range. Got to have it, traffic at his feet. Puts it in there to Hunter Henry. Two of his uh, best throws, we thought anyway, in which he deserves full marks. Is that all right? Okay. okay big time throws, Greg. Big time. There it is. As we, as we said yesterday, calls for the big boy, Batman in the car. Go ahead, Batman. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, I want to say Greg has the most knowledge on the show. He should be on every day. It's a low second bar. Of all, well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, second of all, I want to say that Matt Jones obviously has not had the greatest start to his career, but, you know, Tom Brady didn't wake up and become Tom Brady. It took numerous years of practice, right? I'm not saying the kid is Tom Brady, but I'm saying we got to give him a chance. And he looked pretty good getting rid of the ball. 2.19 seconds. Second most in the league. Murray, your thoughts? Oh, yeah, no. I mean, he doesn't want to use Brady's name, but he does in the same sentence. I mean, give me a break. Like, what do you want, what do you want to say to this? Well, I mean, I think the big thing is. It's, just, like, it's the kid's third year, by the way. And shame on me for referring to him as a kid like everybody else that covers and protects this kid. He's 25. It's not saying kid, Jim. He's a guy. He's 25 years old. And I, and I would submit Tom Brady was Tom Brady right from the start. He had the most touchdowns yeah. in the league in his second year. Okay, second year. Yeah. He, he wasn't ready year one. No, yeah. but he showed a knack to make big throws under pressure right away. Yeah, Brady. In, Brady in year just two, after he got on the program. Year one, he wasn't ready to play NFL football. Right. What about the San Diego game? Year two, Mass. Oh, oh, no one counts year one. I you, see what no. you mean. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I, no, I'm I mean, talk, he, I'm, I'm talking check, about his first year playing. His yeah, balls yeah. have always been the same. His balls and heart and all that stuff, the same. Yeah, okay, they were on the same page. The, the rest of his body had to um, <clears throat> catch up a little bit. Oh, definitely. Okay, so that's all I'm saying. Yes, Greg. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Brady had it. I mean, he just, he just did from the get go. I mean, his. Clutch Gene, his second year in the league, you know, leading them to the Super Bowl title. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. I mean, that's just, it's extremely rare. That was his rare talent and also his determination. But, you know, just in general, for, you know, for Mac Jones, and, and I think we talked about this before about, you know, how I covered Aaron Rodgers and like, you know, he sits first, first three years. He finally gets in. He takes over a team that was in the NFC Championship game. They go six and 10 his first year. And then they start four and four. They lose to a god awful Tampa Bay team. And, Rodgers was a large part of the problem. He was trying to be a hero. His teammates called him out in a team meeting, and then the next week they played Dallas, and he had his own drive like Mac Jones did. And I'm not saying he's going to be Aaron Rodgers or anything like that, but if, you are, if, you, if you're going to have a chance to be a quarterback in this league, at some point you're going to have that moment. And Mac finally had his moment on Sunday. No one's crowning him. He's got to do it more and more, but you can't. You can't do more until you do it once. And Mac did it once, and now we'll see. Most guys, is it's a process. It's not linear. There has to be a breakthrough. There's, you know, there's only one Brady. There's only one Mahomes. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous the amount of people who just, I think, have that expectation. For any of these young guys, What I, I, I think a fair criticism of Mac Jones is what is his ceiling given his physical plant mm-hmm. you know what he has from a physical standpoint 
how great can he be even if he maxes out all those potentials and everything? And I don't think he's got a particularly high ceiling, but that's okay. Again, I think if you're surrounded by the right team with the right coaching in the right circumstance, that's fine. I think you can win at a high level without being that elite, elite physical talent. Right. I mean, the only question you have to answer, and we don't have the answer to this with Mac Jones yet, is can he win a Super Bowl title? Um, I think he can, but, you know, a lot has to be right around him, and that's not a, a negative. I mean, so what? So he's not a unicorn. Like, you know, I mean, look, Josh Allen hasn't even been to a Super Bowl yet, and he's a freak. And it took him forever. It took him three into his third year. So, listen, I, I'm I'm okay on the patience thing. He's a bad fit, though, for the way they want to do it. The way Mac Jones does it, Bill wanting to, and the team, not wanting to spend on skill players or draft skill players high or be a fast, dynamic offense, that absolutely is a bad fit. That's the part that worries me as much as anything. Let's say the, that he actually can play. Mm-hmm. Are they going to do what's necessary to win with him? Right. Like, that, that's the part that worries me right. as and much as anything. To me, that's more germane to, you know, to Belichick's future and Kraft and their relationship is, like, you know, Kraft has to see this in that, you know, Bill Bill doesn't give a crap about offense. He never has his entire career. And he's just like, oh, well, you know, we'll figure it out. As long as you don't turn the ball over and, you know, some time of possession, you just make clutch plays, like, we'll be fine. Because, you know, the defense and the special teams and what have you. And and I just don't think that works largely in the NFL anymore. And it's 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 on craft to make sure that the mechanisms are in place if Bill's here to make sure that he invests more in offense. And you just can't take Bill at his word for it because he's not going to. He's gonna he's gonna draft the first three rounds defense when you need offense. <laughs> or as uh, Colin Coward would say, guard, guard, kicker. Uh Bob and Quincy, go ahead, Bob. Hey guys, two quick things. One you know, watching Pop Douglas play the other day just reminded me how there really isn't anybody else on the team like him and how petty and silly it was that he was benched because of a great play that Bradley Chubb made against him five weeks ago. And then I'll stop you there. Greg, your thoughts on that? 100%. I mean, you know, we, we ripped it at the time. I mean, you know, this is not 1994 anymore. And, you know, that if, if you're going to play a mid-round pick from Liberty or a late-round pick from Liberty – early on in his NFL season, after not playing him in the preseason, you got to deal with the ups and downs. You just have to. And uh, you have to see, well, you know, it's okay. You you know, you're going to make mistakes, but you're my guy. And we're going to deal with it. Now, if it's repeated mistakes, then that's something different. But, uh, you know, he's, he's such a difference maker, and he's so different, and Bob's right. Like, he's so different than what they have on the roster. You just have to deal with it. And, and, and don't treat him like a child. Will in New Hampshire. Go ahead, Will. Big Boy Tuesday is the uh, best four hours of the week. I wanted to hear you guys' thoughts on the Miami game with it being a nine-and-a-half-point uh, dogs, showing that Vegas and basically everyone doesn't really respect the Patriots. They're not – even if, yeah, they got a good win, but it's really not going to translate. I'm not optimistic on the season. I want to hear uh, Piggy Boy's thoughts. Thanks, okay. guys. How much of this is just you know sustainable and truly is a stepping stone for what they're going to become? Well, I I, I can't answer that, but specific to this this matchup, you know, I think this is a really good spot for the Patriots. I mean, the Dolphins just played the Eagles. They have they have the, Sunday night. They have the Chiefs next, so the Patriots are in a perfect spot. the The Dolphins just got their ass handed to them by the Eagles up front. I mean, they got beat up, so they are going to. This was a physical matchup. 
Um, the Dolphins are probably going to come slow out of the gate. Um, you know, I like this spot for the Patriots. Now, you know, whether I'm going to pick them to win or keep it close or even to cover, I don't know yet. But I really like the spot for, for the Patriots. And I'll be interested. The The important thing is may, hopefully this game showed Bill, you know, the, the – um, who they just play the but the Bills won the toss and deferred and the Patriots got the ball went down got a field goal Josh Allen throws a mindless turnover it was a horrible decision horrible throw and they got a turnover then they got a point they're up 10 nothing maybe this shows Bill like this is the way we need to play like we can't come out and just defer and we talked about it last week about like you know they they're not good enough on offense to manage the clock at the end of the half and you know that whole thing the double score so come out, try to take the ball, try to get a lead, and and put pressure because the Dolphins are a much different team when they have to play from behind. We've got three up, three down with the big boy after the uh, headlines with Big Jimmer. The name to know when the drains don't flow. John Sewer, we get the job done. John Sewer has been solving Boston's drain issues since 1976. Their team of local technicians have unparalleled experience and can solve any clog or problem that can arise in Boston's complex plumbing systems. Find them at johnsewer.com. John Sewer, we get the job done. Come. Now, more of Felger and Mad. Now, on, on, on the Sports Hub. And now, it's time for three up. Touchdown, Patriots! Two big throws on this drive by Mac Jones, your quarterback. What a throw on the skinny. I'll take more of this, please. Three down. Put a jacket on him. He don't want to be out here. Sit him down. With Greg Bedard from bostonsportsjournal.com. Three up. I know you're very results-oriented. I get that. Three down. It's a fail all around. Fail, fail, fail. On Felder and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub. All right, it's time for three up, three down with Greg Bedard, presented by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Enjoy the game with the original triple distilled, triple blended, and triple cast matured Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey because when it's game time, it's Tully time. Please drink responsibly. Three studs, three duds, three up, three down from Patriots. Big win over the Bills. Number one star, Greg and Maz plays along. Go ahead. Pop Douglas. Uh, he was outstanding in this game, playmaker. Now, it wasn't perfect. Uh, he He didn't run the right route on third down that caused Mac Jones to throw the ball into the back of the offensive lineman because uh, he didn't sit there in the zone. But was, uh, outside of that, I mean, you know, a few big broken tackles, drew a penalty, uh, you know, big-time catches in traffic. Uh, he was tremendous. He's exactly what this offense needs and needs more of. Mac Jones, he was the key to the game. Everything spun off of him. Good throws, 25 at 30, no turnovers. And again, I'm not saying there weren't any mistakes, but at the end of the day, the numbers are what they are. It was, to me, it was about Jones. Number two, Mac Jones in the fourth quarter only. He was he was outstanding. I mean, you know, when they needed him, uh, the two touchdown drives, clutch throws. You know, I love the the play to Bourne where he basically like you know this is why they drafted him because of his mind where he you know basically changed the receivers twice and changed the routes, changed the protection, and then you know put a perfect ball on the outside to Kendrick Bourne so he could turn the corner for the touchdown. It was it was outstanding and I loved how he he hung in the pressure. He finally got used to all right, it's Michael Winnie what right taco, not Vidarian Lowe anymore. I can actually sit here and make a throw and take a hit. Douglas, five touches if you count the punt return, basically eighty yards. Sixteen yards a pop. Every time he touches something good happened. Give him the freaking ball, and if he fumbles, you don't have to send him to Siberia. Number three. 
I couldn't uh, really separate these guys. So the entire defensive line, starting with oh, Christian Barmore, Dietrich Wise, Devon Godchow, like Lawrence tears. Guy, and so... Anthony Jennings, who had Jennings was eleven. Ele- they combined eleven quarterback pressures, four run stuffs. Uh, you know they they were the key to the defensive plan against Josh Allen. Did a great job with their rush integrity. It sort of set things up. Yeah, no, it's tearless tears. But twenty five teams in one tier. That's like. Maz's tears. Sorry, Maz. I went with Bentley. I thought uh, it was a shaky start. He wasn't great in the early part of the game. But that fourth down play was a great play. He peeled off his guy. Duggar got beat. He came over, uh, you know, knocked his uh, knocked the ball out of there for the incompletion. Uh, you know, he's not a pass game player, but he made that play. I thought, I thought Bentley was really good. Okay, here comes three down. Usually this is our sweet spot. We usually don't have trouble with this. This was hard this week. I still don't. Maz actually had an omission, and that was this was a tough one, which is like exceedingly rare for you, Maz. I powered through. <laughs> All right, three down. Go ahead, Greg. Uh, City So. I know that their uh, pro football focus apparently rated him like the greatest offensive lineman ever. I don't know what they're smoking, but you know he gave up three quarterback pressures, three and a half run stuffs. He was the weak link on the offensive line. Now, he wasn't horrible. Uh, he wasn't like some of their other guys that they've thrown out there. Um, but he was he was by far the weakest link on the def- uh, offensive line and got you know pushed back more times than not. I went with Duggar. I didn't think Duggar was great in this game. There was a. I think you're absolutely right, Maz. He blew a bunch of tackles. Yes, he did. He missed tackles. That was the big thing. Uh, also on that fourth down play, I was talking about with Bentley. His you know his guy ran right by him. He, he got beat, frankly. And Greg, you might be able to tell me if that. I think it was zone coverage, but even so, he's got to pick him up in a fourth down situation. He didn't pick him up, and then that play with Latavius Murray out in the flat. Latavius Murray's a freaking hundred years old. Smoked him. He got dusted by Latavius, and that was a third and fifteen. I think. I think it was fifteen yards, and he whiffed. I didn't think he was good in this game at all. Number two, Greg Kyle Duggar. I thought he was terrible in this game. Missed tackles. Uh, you know, you forget he gave up the two point conversion on the the route that he always gives up. His eyes are always in the right, uh, wrong place in the back of the end zone against tight ends. You know, Josh Allen normally kills Kyle Duggar in these games. You know, let's also you know not forget the deep pass to Stefan Diggs down the middle. It should have been if it wasn't windy, it would have been an eighty yard touchdown with Kyle Duggar getting roasted over the top. Hundred percent Allen blew that one. And and how about how about I I must have watched, you know, with fourteen seconds left, whatever it was, when the throw down the middle digs, I must have watched that like 20 times on film to figure out how he didn't catch the ball because the throw was perfect. Diggs was there. I know he hit the ground weird, but Phillips was there. Duggar was there. Like Diggs should have caught that ball and they should have been at about about the 35 yard line with one chance at the end zone. Mass number two. So I went Barmore uh, because I thought he had two roughing the passer penalties. I think it was only one. Who got the other one? It was Jackson. Oh, Uh, Jack. Jack Jones. Oh, okay. So that's- I mean, I'm sorry. Jack Jones. Why am I saying Jackson? Jackson? Who's that? Who's so, that? Yeah, Jack so, Jones. So, so, I, you guys looked at me like I had three heads, and now I know why. <laughs> the, the guy doesn't exist. Jack Jones is <laughs> who I meant. Yeah. So I thought he had both. He only had one, which softens the blow. But it's too late to change my mind. So F it, and it disagrees with Bedard, so I'm sticking with it. Number three. Tyquan Thornton played three snaps, ran a wrong route on one of them, sat for the rest of the game. He, he's got to do – you could also put Devontae Parker in there. He's completely useless. I don't want ever want to see Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster on the field again. I'd be fine with that. Which is precisely what I did. Devontae Parker, useless. Useless. Uh, he should play like uh, only down by the goal line as a third guy. 
You need to air, uh, whip it up there to him every now and then, fine, but that's it. The rest of the time, useless. So, Greg, you, you agree, and you've been critical of Kendrick Bourne in the past for r- running mm-hmm. the wrong routes and not knowing where he's going. <laughs> he did it on the second play of the game, okay, and Mac Jones yelled at him. You'd still rather have that out there than Parker and or Juju Smith, With, right? Without question. And, it, look, it's on Bill O'Brien and Troy Brown to figure out, okay, like – where is where is Kendrick making the mistakes on the routes? And let's eliminate those or try to eliminate them and just have him run like I'd be okay with him just running little hitches and then catching it and try you know, getting yards after the catch, which he's he's been great at. They just need to use him more where he's he's really good and minimize where he makes the the mental errors. Okay, we're gonna go back to the phones with Greg. We're talking football, Patriots game Sunday against the Bills. We'll get Greg's thoughts on the Belichick contract extension that was reported over the weekend. That's coming as well. Uh, all in our long commercial-free segment, which is right after these. As a roofer, I don't have time to fail. Homeowners rely on me, so I rely on Beacon. Beacon's unique network of branches work together to get me what I need when I need it. Every branch working together. And with the Beacon Pro Plus app, I've got the brands I depend on, like Certainty and Landmark Pro, right at my fingertips. And now through November, purchase Certainty with Beacon Pro Plus, web or app, and earn up to $750. Beacon, always building. It's Felger and Oh, and don't forget Burry on the Sports Hub. So I'm wondering how much a drive like the last drive today for your offense can help generate confidence in Mac moving forward for everybody, players, coaches, staff. Yeah, I don't know. How about for you then individually? How much more confidence might you have in somebody when you see them execute? I have confidence in all our players. That's why we put them out there. I didn't have confidence. I moved them out there. So. Something tells me that dismissiveness was uh, more reserved for Phil Perry than for Mac Jones, but. That's how Belichick responded to those questions after the game on Sunday. We get right back into it with Greg Bedard. He wants you to give credit to Mac Jones out there. Mark and Easton, will you give credit to Mac Jones? I oh Sure. Um, I did call yesterday and kind of made fun of him for actually not really showing up until the end anyway. But I do want to ask Fair. Greg something because I, I respect Greg that he watches film and all that. But And I know he covered the Dolphins, which is why I want to ask him this. You think Mac Jones going to Super Bowl? I don't. Um, cause I see him as like, and I don't know if you were still in Miami, but I see him as like Chad Henney, AJ Feely, Jay Fiedler, that guy where sure he'll get hot for like three games, but you'll probably go five and 12. So what do you see in him? Because I don't see anything. Okay. So what do you see in him that leads you to believe if surrounded with the proper cast, he can win a Super Bowl? I think if, if Mac Jones is surrounded by the right cast, specifically, um, you know, protection in the offensive line. And I heard somebody talking about this. Oh, I think, you know, Rick Spielman was on um, Tom Kern's podcast and he talked about, you know, about Kirk, he was talking about Kirk Cousins and how they built things around him. And they thought, you know, because Kirk Cousins is, you know, somewhat limited physically, he and he likes to step up into his throws. It was very important to build up the interior of the offensive line. Now, Rick Spielman admitted they failed at that. I mean, they they have been horrible drafting at the offensive line. But I think, you know, yes, you know, Mac Jones needs a lot more things than, say, Tom Brady does. Um, but, you know, you you put him on, um, you know, San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan with those weapons and, you know, with a healthy offensive line, yes, I think he can win a Super Bowl. I mean, but you, you, have, to, you have to build it up. And I still, you know, I think Sunday was a little bit of, you know, a tease of we talked about, you know, there, that – Going into the season, I thought that their offensive line could be the best in the division. 
you know, if everybody was healthy. And I think we saw a little bit, and, and you know, it's it's a shame that Riley Reef got hurt because in what we've seen of him, if you put, you know, Brown, Strange, Andrews, Reef, and Awenu, I think you have a makings of a pretty decent, you know, offensive line. And I think Michael Awenu being out there, and I think they had no other options. They had to do it. They had no other options to put out there. Um, you know, gives Mac Jones a chance to feel secure, and that's where it needs to start with a, with a quarterback like Mac. Craig in Boston, go ahead, please. I was going to ask Greg, which players should be on the roster next year, and do you think that they'll actually have those players on the roster next year? Okay, too big of a question. Can I just go with the contract guys, guys who are up? Owenu, Duggar, Uche. Sure, I'm missing somebody. But of those players, who should they who should they resign, Greg? Okay, and, so, and, and if they are not going to resign them, should they be selling at the deadline still, et cetera? I would definitely be listening on everybody. And then a lot of it depends on what kind of deal I'm going to get. I'm sorry. I'm just calling up my column from this weekend because I just wrote about this. I mean, I'll um, tell you right now, a winner you got to keep. Um, so, you know, when I looked at this, I am franchising Hunter Henry. Um, this is probably unpopular, but you look at, you know, the tag numbers, well, the tight end numbers are reasonable. Yeah. The tight end numbers is only 13 million and that's like a million dollar raise over what Hunter Henry has right now. And they have nobody, all three of their tight ends, including Farrell Brown are unrestricted free agents. You know, to me, it's what's the alternative. If we, if we don't have Hunter Henry, what are we going to do? Sign some schmo? No, right. I think it's a good play, and it's just what they would do. Right. Franchise someone at a lower-paid position. Right, like sa- safety, Kyle Duggar, that's $18 million. That's like top top three in the wow. league at safety. Those it's that much? Make that much money. Yeah. Holy, Holy crap. crap. Seriously. So that's that's the balloons? tag for, for Kyle Duggar. So I, I am tagging Hunter Henry because I have to have something at tight end, and Mac, the quarterback, likes him. And even if it's not Mac. We need a tight end, and Hunter Henry is a good tight end. I'm listening. I'm definitely listening on Josh Uche, even though I think he's hurt now, so that complicates things. I'm listening on Uche, Duggar, Gesicki. Somebody can have him if they want. Bye. And Jalen Mills or Adrian Phillips. Both of those guys don't really have roles on this is team. Is Duggar unrestricted after this year? Or yes. Does he have one more? Duggar's unrestricted. Um, Uche, Duggar, and Gesicki are all un- un- unrestricted. Retaining in free agency. Trent Brown, because again, you you have no options at tackle. You don't, uh, you know, and I think his, because of his history, he's I don't cheaper. think he's going to have much of a market. He's cheap. So right. you can get him back at, you know, probably a little bit of raise what they have on him now. Michael Wenu, I am retaining. I think that the injury has, you know, kept his, his price tag down, even though someone will look at his film from before and offer him a big money contract. Basically, he's one of the guys where go out, find a deal, and we'll think about matching. And if it's too expensive, then you move on because you drafted three interior offensive linemen this past year. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, I am retaining. I am bringing him back. I don't think he'll get a huge offer because he's viewed as a probably a number three by most teams. So there's a ceiling on that. Uh, Miles Bryant, I'm bringing back just for depth. He yeah. covers you in a lot of spots. Anthony him. Jennings, well, he's not a pass rusher, so he won't have much of a market. Farrell Brown, I'm bringing back, and Will Greer. They got a lot of work to do there. Yep. You have to pay somebody. The roster sucks. <laughs> it does. I mean, again, we're talking about, like, the Michael Owenus of the world as a must-keep. And don't get me wrong, I like Owenu. I don't think but, he's a must-keep, but, you know, I would like to retain him. Definitely. I mean, like, you know, Trent Brown, in a normal scenario, say, bye-bye, see you later, I'm done with the headache, and go draft a tackle. Sorry, go. 
No, go, go ahead. Finish. No, no, that's it. The the uh, but to me, like the offensive lineman, what are you going to get rid of the only two guys who are half decent? Like <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, no. Connor and Newburyport. Hi, Connor. Hey, what's up, fellas? So he's talking about the the three most uh, contributing players or parts of the organization yesterday. Uh, it was the offensive line number one. It was the offensive line number two, and it was the offensive line number three. It's the most important aspect through weeks one through six. It looked like that game in Denver back in 2015 where Cameron Fleming and Marcus Cannon were turnstiles and almost got Brady killed. That's what every game this year looked like until yesterday. I'd like to hear the big boys' thoughts on whether or not this offensive line can perform like it did yesterday through the rest of the season because no wide receiver that that gets added to this roster can make up for what weeks one through six looked like on that offensive line. Thank hey, you, guys. Greg, how sustainable is all that? Okay, well, first of all, I'll say about the offensive line's uh, performance on Sunday, I think it was overrated. I think that, you know, a lot of it was scheme. I mean, Mac Jones got rid of the ball quicker than any quarterback in the league this week in the NFL. That kept the stress down on the offensive line. I had a pressure rate of 32.4% in this game, which is manageable. It's good. It's solid. But, again, a lot of that was quick stuff, and it – and uh, because of the Bills' defense, you know, how much zone they play, <clears throat> how they don't have really much of a pass rush anymore. They didn't have their best two interior guys. Von Miller's not even close to Von Miller at this point. It was it was not a stressful situation for the offensive line. Um, you know, how sustainable is it going forward? Um, it should be against Miami. I don't think Miami's great. I mean, they do have Christian Wilkins, but, in the, you know, Jalen Phillips did not play in the first matchup. I assume he's he's back in the lineup. He is going to be tough to deal with. Who was the guy on the edge that torched him in that game? Remember the the nobody? Oh yeah, Ginkle. Van Ginkle. Oh Van, Van Ginkle. Ginkle. Yeah, and you know Bradley Chubb I think is overrated, but you know you know the offensive line was was solid in this game. I wouldn't go nuts with it. I think that O'Brien still schemed around a lot of stuff, and I just don't think the Bills are that good up front. And again, Mac Jones's release time you had it like two point two seconds or something. So yeah, I think it was two point two. It was the it was the quickest in the league, and that's you know it's not like they're doing a lot of play action seven step drop shot plays. No, you know his average depth depth of target was like four point three yards. I mean, a lot of it was quick three steps, boom out in about two seconds. Nobody's getting any pressure when the quarterback's getting it out in, in two seconds, where the Patriots have had problems. The Cowboys, the Saints, those guys play a lot of press man. It looked better against the Raiders. Why? Because the Raiders play a lot of zone, and they don't have a much of a pass rush outside of Max Crosby. So, you know, they still need to prove that they can protect against teams that play press man and that, you know, that quick throw is not available to Mac Jones. I mean, that 2.2 that seconds, doesn't that tell you everything? That O'Brien looks at it and says the ball's got to come out fast because we can't block. Yes, sir. Greg's got a thought on the Bill Belichick contract extension. We'll do that, or new contract, whatever the heck it is. We'll do it after Murray's 90-second update here. There are no commercials. Get great fall savings on all your home care and entertaining needs during the fall home care event at Shaw's and Star Market. Head into Shaw's and Star Market and get deals on products like Clorox disinfecting wipes, Swiffer wet mopping cloths, Lysol all-purpose cleaner, Swiffer wet jet mopping pads, Mr. Clean multi-surface cleaner, or Lysol power toilet bowl cleaner. Visit Shaw's or StarMarket.com or head into your local store for more details. Offers expire October 30th. First, restrictions apply. 25 times your money this football season. Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn ten dollars 
into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Bpod Studios. The Felger Mass Podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. The name to know when the trains don't flow. John Sewer, we get the job done. John Sewer takes clog drains seriously. Their team of technicians is trained to solve any clog or issue in our area's old complex drain systems. John Sewer and Drain are equipped to respond to your emergency fast. Visit johnsewer.com to learn more. John Sewer. The job done. Are you ready for this? Do, 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 do. It's Felger and Matt. Oh, stupid, my uh, God. Oh. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. After being with us for 20 years, we could have franchised him or done other things. I said to him, when he did his last contract two years before, that at year 20, he would decide whether he stayed with us or not. I think he had earned that right. And for his own personal reasons, he felt it was best to move on. You also have the most successful coach practically in football history, uh, Bill Belichick, who you brought back to this team, I guess, about 20-some years ago. Now, six Super Bowls. Um, he's now been with you 24 years. Is he going to stay for another X number of years, or he can stay forever? I'll let you ask him. He has okay. to All right. decide um, what's right for him. At hour number two with the big boy, we play you that Robert Kraft sound from uh, the podcast he did with Bloomberg over the offseason. As a way to get into the Belichick contract uh, that was reported over the weekend by Ian Rappaport. And it strikes Greg Bedard. Uh, well, it, how does it relate to Brady if it does, Greg? So, you know, just the thing that is ironic to me is that, look, I don't have a problem with Bill Belichick getting a contract extension or whatever he got, you know, even coming off of last year. I don't have a problem. It'd be, I, I'm willing to guess that it was a situation where he was about to head into a, you know, uh, the last year of his contract, and you just don't do that with coaches. And, you know, he, this probably happens, you know, all the time with Bill. But so I, I don't have a problem with them giving him an extension or what have you, um, you know, especially because as far as I understand it, it doesn't preclude the crafts from moving on if they feel that's necessary. Now, people – like Mike might not believe that. I'm just telling you what I've been told. Uh, but I, I just find it ironic that I'm okay with Bill getting the, this is a respect contract. Look, all that you have done with us, all that you've enriched us, you know, even if we have to eat money on the backside of it, we're fine with it because of how much you have brought to this organization. I have zero problem with that. 
It's the exact contract that Bill Belichick would not give Tom Brady. Whether it was after the Falcons Super Bowl, where all he had to do, Tom had won the war. Tom had won the war at that point. I think he was, I don't know if he was MVP that year, but they, you know, they win the Super Bowl title. Uh, I think they were 17 and two. There was all this stuff going on behind the scenes between Bill and Tom. Tom had won. And at that point in time, they should have given him a five year contract extension. And and my my view at the time was even if Tom does fall off a cliff, I don't care. Eat the money. He deserves it. Look what he's done for this organization. You know, so they didn't do it then. Then he wins the, t- 20, the title in 2018. Bill still doesn't give him the contract. You know, and Tom's you know wor- asking Robert like where the respect is and all that stuff. And Bill wouldn't give Tom that respect contract, but Robert gave Bill the respect contract. I just. That's what I don't like about the whole situation. I love this take. They're, they got it backwards. Yeah, right. They're doing for Bill what they wouldn't do for Brady. They're doing it backwards. Yep. They should have overextended and overpaid Brady at the end and let Bill go a year early. Instead, they did just the opposite. They let Brady go. Try, I know this isn't exactly what you're saying, mm-hmm. Greg, but I'm taking it to the next you know, Felger and Maz step. I'm, 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 I'm giving it the Felger and Maz step up. And the Felger and Maz step up is... They got it backwards. They let Brady go a year too early, and they're keeping Belichick a year too late. They got it backwards. Most likely. That's what I think. And I know, you know, as you're saying it, everyone said it, it's sort of, um, it's like standard operating procedure. It's consensus that you don't let a coach go into a walk year. You don't let him go into a lame duck year. You always extend him one more year. And I know that that's generally how it's done. This one, I feel, should have been an exception. No one knows what his contract is anyway. So if Robert, Jonathan, and Bill are the only people who know what his contract status is, he can go and do a walk year because no one knows it. So I'm sorry. I don't think I don't think Bill should have been extended a year. If that was a walk year, great. And if you're afraid of losing him for nothing, what are you afraid of? He's no longer the right guy for your program. What are you hanging on to? So they're hanging on to the coach when they should have hung on to the quarterback. Mwah! Chef's kiss, Bedard. Great take. And I know you're not exactly saying that, but I'm taking it to its logical conclusion. Yeah, we're going to mold it for you. I'm molding it. I need some molding. I'm giving it the Felger and Maz mold job. They let Brady go too early, and they're hanging on to Bill too long. Yeah, putting, both, it in the Felger, guys, putting it in the Felger and Maz film. <laughs> both guys, for what they did for this franchise, you know, they should have been, you know, given the quote-unquote, like, golden parachutes. Like, all right, fine. You know, Bi- Robert should have, you know, made Bill give him, uh, Tom the contract. Brady just, especially should have gotten it. Yeah, I mean, just so, all right, fine. He might fall off a cliff in two years. That's fine. We'll eat the money. We'll renegotiate. You know, we'll you know we'll do some sort of cap account. It doesn't matter. Tom deserves it for all he's done, and Bill wouldn't do it and cause the the greatest player in league history to walk out the door. And it's just absurd. Now Bill gets the opposite treatment. It's just it's just wrong, in my opinion. And and your point about it's how they did fault. it and how they did it backwards. Bill was was rewarded along the way as the best at what he does. Oh yeah, he, yeah. He didn't take the. I right. doubt no, he did not. Take I doubt he guys. took the discount. Right. So exactly. So Bill was the highest paid coach in the game as well. He should have been. Brady took less. If there was ever a guy that should have gotten the golden parachute as a listen, consider this a parting bonus for all the money that we took from you along the way. They should have done it for him. 
ass backwards. Ass backwards. Yep, the Bedard ass backwards take. I like it. <laughs> I like it. But it's so apparent. And I don't, I just don't see the urgency with Bill, the fear of letting Bill go, wanting to have leverage over him, or not that lame duck thing. I understand that in most cases. In Bill's case, that contract is such a closely guarded secret unless Bill wants to leak it, which he just did, obviously. But, <laughs> obviously. you know, I mean, here to four, before that, no one knew. No one had a sniff of when he was up, what he was making, you know. And so if he went into the walk year, what's the diff? And some people think he might have gone into the walk year anyway. The, the, the Rappaport part about new contract, he signed a lucrative new contract, might actually be because he was up at the end of last year. No one knows. But it's possible he did go into that. That 22 was a walk year, for all we know. And no one knows. The players didn't know it. No one knew it because it's between three people. So let him go into the walk year for Pete's sake. I feel and, the same way. I and mean, again, it's only, it's only a, a negative for the coach if people know. And so Greg says, well, it doesn't really matter because if Bill really falls on his face, they'll just write him the check and it won't preclude them from moving on from him, which is easy to say. And I'm sure they're saying it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they're saying it. It's obvious they're saying it because it's being, you know, reported and regurgitated by people who should know. And so, yes, they're saying it. They're saying, yeah, we we extended him, but we can still let him go, which is easy to say. Now put your pen to the check and write that $30 million check or that $40 million check or that $20 million check or whatever it is. And we'll see just how easy it is. Of course you're saying that. I have found that when it comes to actually paying the money down there, it's a little different when the rubber meets the road. So the way I look at this is if it's so obvious that Bill has to go, yeah, they'll probably write the check begrudgingly. But if it's close, that money's going to be a factor. If it's if he's eight and nine, nine and eight, they finish strong, but they're still not right. They'll say, well, we owe him 20. We owe him 40. We owe him 50, whatever this is. And we showed, and we showed, um, we showed some you know progress, and he can get the record next year. All right, so we're going to bring him. You know, you know what I mean. It just the money's always a factor in there somewhere, and so that's what I'm afraid of, Greg. That it sways a close call. Well, I mean, look, it's a legitimate concern. You know, no question. Um, and you know, the fact of the matter is, we're just not going to know. And I do think, you know. You guys have been asking me, and I get, you know, I get emails from people after being on the show like last week when they're, you know, one in five, and about like, how come you're not coming out, you know, stronger? How come you're not saying, all right, the 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 Patriots are dead? You know, it, I've just seen too many things covering this league. I mean, you know, just look back to last year. You know, the Lions team that came in, the Lions got shut out twenty nine and nothing by Bailey Zappi here, and they started one and six, and they closed nine and seven. Now, you know. That was a bit different. Their defense was horrible. Their offense, you know, was pretty good most of the season. Um, and, and they were in a different place. But, you know, things can happen during the NFL season. And, you know, you just have to let things play out. There, No one's making a decision on Bill Belichick till the season's over anyways. And so, I, you know, I just want to see how the season plays out because the, the schedule does soften after this week. And who knows? God forbid, you know, they, they pull an upset this week, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility because – the Dolphins just got beat up by a physical Phillies team, uh, uh, Eagles team, and they have the Chiefs the following week, which uh, they're going to be looking ahead to. And you know, so and and the schedule has softened from that point on. The Colts, the you know, the Commanders, the you know, all the te- Denver, all these teams. So I you hear know, you. You Greg, never know. I, I 
except I don't think they have a ceiling with Bill Belichick. And the, the, the season that they're having is playing out roughly the same as it has for three or four years. It's just a little more dramatic where they get off to these slow-ass starts because soft opening, we're going to see what's going on, we'll figure it out, no one else will. And then, the se- and then the schedule sort of softens, and they go on a run in the middle of the year. Then they get to the end of the year, post-Brady, post and now everyone's playing their best ball, and the teams that are in it are on the ball, and now it's best on best, and, you don't, and you're not good enough. And you falter down the stretch. And so these, these seasons, even the Cam Newton year, they've all sort of followed a similar path. Really mm-hmm. soft opening. They put it together in the middle, and then they fall off at the end. And so even if they win on Sunday, let's say that happens. At the end of the year, they got Kansas City. At the end of the year, they got all these games. And the same thing's going to happen, I think. It could and, very well. I mean, they could, you know, we look at some of those games and say they could win those games. But, like, you know, the Steelers, they usually play better at the end of the season. They're you know, at, they're, they're on the road. At than Pittsburgh they, on Thursday the Chiefs. night. The Broncos, you know, by that time, Peyton might have things going in the other direction. They might be on the upswing, which happens a lot with first-year coaches where it takes till the end of the season. You know, Buffalo will have revenge on their mind. They might be a lot healthier by then. And then the Jets, you know, who knows where the Jets are. So, I mean, I'm just, I mean, they can win some games and straighten it out and be more respectable, no doubt. I think their high-end ceiling with Belichick is over. I've felt that for a while. And so... I wouldn't have given him an extra year. I would have truly played it out. But either way, the broad take is established. I want to thank you for it, Greg, because now we're going to pound it in his submission. You're welcome. They did for Belichick what they didn't do to Brady. Isn't that gross? The new segment. Gross. Big take <laughs> with the big boy. We'll get 10 questions with the big boy right after this. As a roofer, I don't have time to fail. Homeowners rely on me, so I rely on Beacon. Beacon's unique network of branches work together to get me what I need when I need it. Every branch working together. And with the Beacon Pro Plus app, I've got the brands I depend on, like Certainty Landmark Pro, right at my fingertips. And now through November, purchase Certainty with Beacon Pro Plus, web or app, and earn up to $750. Beacon, always building. What's up? Now, now. Belger and Maz continues. Do you have an opinion based on if you had to go with your gut, what, which way it would go? Uh, Sometimes you have to ask it over and over and over again. Why, 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 why? This is 10 Questions with Greg Bedard and Felger and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub. All right, 10 Questions with the big boy. 10 Questions in 10 minutes. Go around the league. We got to stay on time. Jimmy, what are our buzzer options? Yeah, my question is for MrSunshine.com. Have you guys ever seen a bigger f***ed up football team in this operation? <laughs> okay, we had a run of expletives on the show. Uh, I think that's one of them. Next. My answer to that would would be who the F cares. <laughs> okay. Uh, who is that? That's Mike, Mike McDaniel. McDaniel. Oh, yeah, that's McDaniel. Yeah, next. Make sure you get the damn call right. And no, now it's a mispodge of things. <laughs> <laughs> they know you, man. Yeah, you got the idea. Next. Uh, we have 17 captains. 17 captains? Coach Missoula, the Celtics have 17 captains. Yeah, it's year. like the Red Sox. Five number ones. Spare me. Next. Little bit of a porgy. Four porzingas. Uh, that's uh, not a green teamer, Joe Murray. Next. 
Oh, I can't believe Felger just called me a green teamer. I'm uh, actually kind of upset and insulted about that. I, I'm anything but that. Sorry, jumped all over that. Next. Last one. I mean, it's easy to walk in here and just say, they suck, they suck, they suck, they suck. This guy sucks, this guy sucks. It's so easy to do. So let's do it, shall we? Hit it. Make sure you get the damn call right. And no, now it's a mispodge of things. <laughs> Number 10, where do you stand on Brock Purdy and the Niners, Greg? I think that Brock Purdy needs everything perfect around him to be effective. And uh, he hasn't had that the past couple weeks. And when he gets stressed and has to do too much, he throws two picks down the, you know, down the stretch like he did last night. Um, the Niners, I think, are really good. They're just they're they're hurt all the time. Nobody on that team can ever stay healthy. Maybe it's a Kyle Shanahan thing. And this is why I'd be concerned if I'm them. And and again, I grew up a Niners fan because the Patriots were terrible. So they, you look at them; all these guys are hurt. When's it ever going to be perfect around them, especially in the playoffs? I'd be worried if I'm them. Anytime I get to see Kyle Shanahan eat a steaming pile, I'm happy because he didn't want Brady. So it's him and his precious system. How's it work when you don't have a great quarterback and you don't have all your pieces because they're banged up? I think so much of that offense runs through Debo Samuel. So good. Like that's what you deserve for not going out and getting a great quarterback. And Brock Purdy last night and actually the last couple of weeks has been exposed as seventh round Mac Jones. That's what he truly is when the team's banged up. So you think Brock Purdy is uh, seventh round Mac Jones? Yeah. Okay. Next. My answer to that would would be who the f cares. Okay, number nine. If you were the Bills, would you be worried about Josh Allen? No, I'm worried about everything else. The offensive line was awful in this game. Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator, he doesn't know how to attack the Patriots. There was like nothing over the middle, and everybody attacks the Patriots over the middle because of their linebackers are slow and their safeties aren't really good at playing free safety, and so they have issues there. They don't have enough good weapons. They really don't. It's Stefan Diggs, and that's it. And uh, they could really use you know, some sort of uh, slot receiver. And they, they just asked too much of him. Their offense is basically, Josh Allen, just go pull play out of your rear end, please, because that's all we can do. That's precisely why I would be worried about him if I'm them. They're going to get him killed. And this was true from the time he came into the league. He takes some big shots. He's got a bad shoulder. He's not going to make it through the year. Yes. Not, not 100%. I say, yeah, a little bit, but it's fixable, and it's one of the things Greg just touched on. they got to trade for Hunter Renfro. That offense desperately needs a slot guy. How many times in the last couple of years, prior to last week's game, did he go to you know Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie? They don't have a guy like that. That and fire that stupid offensive coordinator. Next. I mean, it's easy to walk in here and just say, they suck, they suck, they suck, they suck, this guy sucks, that guy sucks. It's so easy to do. Number eight, Matt LaFleur said yesterday, the Packers' confidence in Jordan Love hasn't wavered one bit. Do you believe him? What do you see there? I do believe him. I think he's just a he's a kid who hasn't played a lot of football, needs to play. It's trial and error. He has to learn from playing. And, you know, there will be a lot of tough days before there are better days, but you just got to stay the course. And who's their backup? What's the alternative? I like their backup. It's a rookie from Penn State. Uh, oh, yeah, he did have a really nice summer. But, you know, he, he needs time, too. Uh, so what, do I believe him? No, I don't. I don't believe him. And, again, what's the problem? Like, I haven't seen enough of them to know. I'll defer to you two on that. But I do know he's completed 57% of his passes. And in this day and age, you might as well be blindfolded if you're doing that. All I need that is, blows. I just need low lights and stats to make my assessment. No, I don't believe him. And Jordan Love is getting worse by the week. His deep ball sucks. His decision-making late in these games is terrible. You should be hoping for a tank and a new quarterback. So you're out on Jordan Love? Yep. Let me at, Shocker. Let me ask you a bonus question, Murray. Where are you now on Justin Herbert? Justin Herbert. Oh, mostly out. Okay. Yep. So, I love Herbert. I just think that that whole place is a clown show operation. Maz, I think you're with me on this. Loser. Yeah.
So it's a little You're bit. A loser. So the, you guys. So this is a little bit. Of I've a, always been out on Herbert. You know, there's only one Patrick Mahomes, guys. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. So you you have to have someone play the position and win with someone other than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, this guy's a loser. Okay. And Jordan Love sucks, and Brock Purdy's seventh round match. I said, I don't know what the problem with Jordan Love is. Don't put me in his ca- I, I, it's just neighborhood. Someone has to play the position, and there's only one Patrick Mahomes. I know, not to blow a l- answer that's coming later, but that's why the, the league blows right now. Uh, I've kind of softened on Kirk Cousins, so I can come around. Next. Yeah, my question is for MrSunshine.com. Have you guys ever seen a bigger f***ed up football team than this operation? <laughs> Number seven, since we spend so much time mentioning them all in the same breath, let's play a game of rank them. Ready? Rank them. Yeah. Bill Belichick, Don Shula, Tom Landry, Chuck Knoll. Belichick, Knoll, Shula, Landry. Belichick, Knoll. Yeah, he's got four Super Bowl titles. Belichick, Knoll, Shula, Landry. Yeah. Okay. The order you put them on the question is the order I'm keeping them. Belichick, Shula, Landry, Knoll. 100%. I go Belichick, Shula, Knoll, then Landry. No, because he had a the, a better postseason record. He did. He had a much better team. I think. Chuck Come on, that might have been the greatest team of all time. They were loaded. And the Cowboys and Landry did it over multiple generations with multiple quarterbacks. I mean, not when it ma- it didn't matter then like it does now. But he would go into NFC cha- uh, well NFL championship games with Don Meredith. He won Super Bowls with what's his face Roger Staubach, and then he went to NFC title games with Danny White. Chuck Knoll had, and it was a great run. I mean, a brilliant team. But he had one run with one team, did nothing with any other group of players, where Landry did it with sort of three different waves of players. How many I, will Hall never, of- I will never forgive Shula for not getting Dan Marino's Super Bowl title, ever. He'll always be at the bottom for me. How many Hall of Famers did that Pittsburgh team have? They have oh. like, at every level of the team, linebacking core, safety, defensive line, offensive line, running back, wide receiver, quarterback. They had them all. Knoll is fourth on that list. Easily. Next. Little bit of a porgy for Porzingis. Uh, I, Greg, have changed my mind on the tush push. I heard this. I got a tech. I got an alert on my phone. Wow, <laughs> that take uh, necessitated an alert. We, do we send out alerts on no, that? No, it was a joke. Oh, so you're just saying my real opinions are so few and far between that when I have one, it's actually <laughs> pretty much a, yeah. a breaking news situation. Mm-hmm. Right, you know what? <laughs> I've changed my mind on the tush push. The more I see the Eagles continue to dominate, and no one else coming close. I no longer want to see the league outlaw it. You? I, I don't like it. I think it's way too much of an injury risk. I mean, it's, you know, those teams are going to get more and more desperate. You're going to get guys, you know, screaming over the top. Like, if you're not going to, you know, really do punts and kickoffs anymore, how can you, oh, you let don't that st- happen? You don't stop it by going over the top. You start it, but you well, start I know. under it. Getting in the yeah, trenches. Yeah, but you're going to have to do everything. You're going to have to do underneath. You're going to have to do over the top, and it's just going to be you a mess. What? I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing that team that finally figures it out. I, I'm I'm into it now. Like, I've changed my mind. I want it to stay in the game. I'm I'm for it. It doesn't bother me. Again, I the, the fact that they can get four yards on that play sometimes blows me away. I mean, you need, like, Albert Hainsworth and, you know, other big, humongous big men that are going to push people back. That's the only way you can do Keep it. Keep it. Only one team does it correctly, and it makes people mad. That's a win. Next. My answer to that would, would be who the F cares. Along these lines, is Mike McDaniel a tool bag? Hell no. He's hilarious. I love him. And, you know, compared to, you know, snorts and giggles over here. I'll tell you what, I've come around. There, there was a great, I don't know if you saw it, there was a great little thing that was floating around on social media. It was like an 11-minute thing that Carissa Thompson did with him uh, and his wife, for that matter. It, he's a really likable guy, and he's smart. You know, his players play for him. 
I like him. Not a tool bag, coolest coach in the league and an actual human being. I've liked him since he got the gig. Next. Uh, we have 17 captains. Who's the second best coach in Dolphins history? Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. And he won good. I know, but you know what? Their their group of coaches is so bad. It's insane. It really the only other candidates based on performance would be one stat, this guy. Mm-hmm. There was one other in there that actually was half decent. Oh, uh, Sperano. Uh, no, it no. wasn't him. Though. Well, he, had he, was actually year. He, had, he had a good year. But the craziest stat about Jimmy Johnson, his two playoff wins, it's the second most in franchise history. That's insane. So that's his just, defenses were awesome. It, it, the, it's, it's sort the of the defenses point that he built up. Sort of the point of this question. They've had one coach, and everyone else has been one crap on them after the next. It was. It was Flores, who was I was thinking of, yes. Next. I mean, it's easy to walk in here and just say, they suck, they suck, they suck, they suck, this guy sucks, that guy sucks. It's so easy to do. Do you think it's hard to win in Miami at a high level in any sport? Because of the external factors, climate, nightlife, the intensity, lack thereof of the fan base, etc. I definitely think there's something to the nightlife and all that. And, you know, it's a banana republic down there. It's just a weird place to live. I lived there for 20 years out of my life. Uh, so I definitely think there's some sort of effect to it. No, no, there are advantages. I'm not making excuses for the Dolphins or the Heat or anybody else down there. There's advantages to it, too. You're talking just in the NFL now? I said any sport. Any sport. Okay. No taxes. So, like, look at how many guys want to go play in Miami. Like, it, they got no. My answer is no. I don't want to hear that crap. Yes, the weather for sure. Because if you're ever there with peak South Florida humidity, it's like trying to breathe soup. It's it's unbearable. And then all the doing and yayo at your fingertips, chalk up a loss before you get off the plane. I'm with you, Murray. I think it's hard in these spots. I think it's hard to win in San Diego. I think it's hard in Los Angeles. And I, like, I give the Heat credit that they've built such a tough-minded culture there in that spot. I think the weather makes you soft. Uh, the stuff Murray's talking about is obviously a distraction. And the fans don't care. They At the end of the day, they don't care if you win or lose. So you add all that up, it's really, I think, hard to have an edge down there. And I think it does hurt all those teams. I do. Next. Make sure you get the damn call right. But no, now it's a mispodge of things. Along these lines, thoughts on the old Orange Bowl? I love the old Orange Bowl. I mean, it was a dump, but, man, I loved it. And the crowd was right on top of you, really close to the sideline. It was loud. I just I, I loved going to games there. I don't think I ever covered a game there. But I loved it. I loved it on. T- I just loved the old stadium and sort of. I know it was a dump in a in a neighborhood too. Like it was the closest thing you can get in a football stadium to the old Boston Garden. It was, as you said, a dump, but you hung over the field. It had a great atmosphere. It's like which, mile high, right? Which is hard to do down there. Different, uh, but it's, you know, similar. Like a, a cool old football stadium. It was in Little Havana, mm-hmm. so you're parking on people's yards. And so it a really unique sort of environment outside and you, a rickety old balcony stadium, which is just, you just don't have anymore because of luxury boxes now. But it was a cool place. They, I think they I think they lost something the day they left there. They they definitely did. And you know, the biggest thing was the difference in the in the crowd noise because they moved over to Pro Player Stadium. You know, they built it for soccer. They wanted to host soccer. So, you know, they had to you yeah, had to push well, back the stands so far. And, and, you know, where at the Orange Bowl, everybody was right on top of you. It was intimidating. It was pa- great. It was. Patriots lost like 18 in a row there at one point. It was a great play. I'm sorry, Murray. Did you want to weigh in quickly? No, I was too young. No, so I'll go with your guys' take on it. Last one. Yeah, my question is for MrSunshine.com. Have you guys ever seen a bigger f***ed up football team in this operation? <laughs> Do you like the league right now, Greg? No, I don't. I mean, I think 
the lack of practice time, the lack of padded practice, the fundamentals have never been worse in this league. It takes forever for these teams to get into game shape. It's not until like, you know, week seven or eight. Like, I, it's just, it's, it, I, it's not going anywhere. It's going to stay popular, but it's just, it's horrible football. I like it. I do. I, I like the fact that it's not just an air show and a flag game right now. It's gotten mucked up a little bit. Football should be mucked up a little bit. You're supposed to have the option of playing a mucked up game to try to slow down a fast team. I like it. No, because it is a flag game. The officiating's out of control. Most of the teams and quarterbacks are brutal to watch, and I've officially reached my Taylor Swift tipping point. I was into it. Now I'm not because I tune in now. It's flags. It's turnovers and goofy white girl handshakes. It stinks like pretty much everything else in the world right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you said we, you, we, Joe Murray says I'm negative. The uh, I think right now is great. I'm enjoying uh, the product right now. When, it, when I say right now, I, uh, Greg, I agree the first month is a joke because of how little work they put in in training camp. But as you just said, it takes them six, seven, eight weeks to get, well, we're here. And I'm watching these games. I think the tackling has improved like night and day in the last couple of weeks. I think there's really, I think they're getting after it in these games. And uh, it might list down the stretch as injuries pile up and guys get tired. But I sort of feel like in the last couple of weeks, they've just they've finally gotten up to game speed. And I think these teams are getting after each other. And I think the hitting has been great. The intensity has been great. I think teams are digging in. I think quarterback and all that stuff is still super important. It's just I think those teams are the ones that are going to defeat these good defenses. Defenses have made a big comeback in the last couple of years. I'm feeling the defenses now. I lo- I'm watching more neutral site games so now than I have over, in a while. So you're coming over to Bill Belichick's side. Meaning he, that, you know, defense matters. No, he can win on defense. Well, ultimately, it's going to be the good quarterbacks and the elite passing games that are the ones that break through. And so I think it's as important as ever. It's just it's just not going to be 38, 35. It's going to be 28, 25. But it's still going to be those quarterbacks that make those plays at the end of these games against these good defenses. You know, what's coming is a rule change. You watch. Oh, yeah. Right back to the emphasis in the secondary and all of that. All right. I'm sorry I'm late. Here's an update. We're right back. My answer to that would would be who the F cares. Driving you home and driving you crazy. No one has any idea what the hell that means, but that's what that means. It's Belger and Mass on the Sports Hub. As promised, right back to the phones with Bedard here, Seth and Tartan. Go ahead, Seth. Hey guys, so my biggest worry, uh, this I'm assuming Belichick's going to be around next year. Uh, we got a ton of cap space, and the free agent class out there, from what I can tell, is all off- uh, sorry, all defense. And uh, as far as skill players in the line, it's basically dog food. Um, they can't let Belichick run the offseason because he can't he can't pick free agents as we've seen over the last few years. So listen, even if they do that and turn over personnel to someone else. We've been over this a million times. I don't trust it to be the right situation with Belichick as the head coach because he still has to manage those players. And I want my head coach to have a touch and a feel for the offensive side of the ball. And um, certainly you could get away with it with a defensive coach that's more of an executive, but I don't think that's Bill. I don't think that that's Belichick, meaning he has to have personal relations with the quarterback, and I don't think he's got a great touch with that. And it's just about the DNA and the sense and the feel that you have for your football team. And so even if they take it away from Bill, I don't want him as the head coach. Never mind, how would he get along with the GM and how would he get along with the people around him if someone else is picking his groceries? 
It's not going to work. I mean, that's my biggest concern is that you keep them around. Now you have the not not just the specter of Bill Belichick looming over someone's shoulder, but Bill freaking being a pain in the ass. I mean, like not to you know get too specific, but like his relationships with Brady got dysfunctional. Brady's the one that made it work. His relationship with Jones is dysfunctional. Like you know, I, I I'm not sure. Clearly, the whole thing with the offensive coordinators was weird if they truly took personnel away from him and a guy came in and built a football team in his image not bills he'd be the biggest brat pain in the ass baby about the whole thing it no that's how i feel i'm done so that's just my opinion look i think the essential the essential question that Kraft needs to ask himself, and we should all be asking. And and look, I'm still in the same – I want to see how the season plays out, see how it looks, how are they trending at the end of the season. But, you know, let's just be honest. At the end of the season, they're going to look at it. How far away are they from a Super Bowl title? I mean, you know, isn't that at least the lip service that Kraft has, has you know, put out there? That, you know, we're about Super Bowl titles, we're about winning. You know, okay, what are the chances of the Patriots winning a Super Bowl with Bill Belichick at the helm – you know, two years from now. I feel it's over. Yeah. I, 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 I don't him, think I they're no very chance. good. So if that's the case and you have this whole clean slate year, me personally, if I was a Patriots fan, I would want to move on from Belichick after the season. I would want this season to go down the tubes and just, you know, high draft pick, reload. I'm doing new, it. New voice. I'm doing it without the tubes. If they string together a run here and win some games and have a respectable record, the issues are still the issues. He has no touch on offense. He wouldn't work well with a GM that had true personal power, personnel power. He has no touch with the quarterback position. So if you get to nine wins, if you make the playoffs, those things are still going to be the same. Uh, No, I I, I would be done. Uh, Patrick in New Hampshire. Yes, Patrick, what do you got on Mac Jones? Hey, guys, thanks for the call. Um, when Brady was here, he had a little bit more autonomy with the offense. And uh, in Mac Jones' postgame presser, he actually said he made a comment where he thanked Bill O'Brien for letting him run some plays in college. Do you think that's a shot at Belichick for maybe not using some of his plays through the offense in this time? No, I, not my personal opinion. I just... I think th- this game was a departure in a lot of different ways, including like you know Max Mac Jones like acted out a lot in this game. It was very sort of Brady red ass Dan Marino ish after mistakes. Like he was getting on guys, which you know at one and five the way he's played, like where where does he get the balls to do that? Like who who was empowering him to be like you know what Mac just just go be you, and you know if you want to play emotional. Go do that because obviously the other thing is not working. But, you know, I I don't take that as a shot at Bill. I think, you know, Billy O'Brien has been trying to manage around the injury issues, the offensive line all season, trying to thread the needle. It wasn't working for a variety of reasons. And, you know, this week I think they – I just think that, you know, with Cole Strange back, with Michael Wenno at right tackle, I think there was a – a sense that they could execute at a higher level. So, you know, they did a few more things, and, and uh, you know, some of it was Mac-centric. Tom and Quincy, quickly. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, um, you know, Greg, I always love when you come on because we'll get to a lot of t- – we'll talk about the offensive line that much. But the comments made by um, Awenu and um, the offensive – Clem, 
um, they asked they asked the win you you know about playing right tackle. He says he you know he's indifferent. He doesn't really care. That's not encouraging. But the Clem thing, the Clem comment said, you know, are you going to be committed to putting the win you at right tackle if he's if if he's healthy? And he goes, well, I'm non-committal to that. It's like. They seem to have the best game, and I heard you earlier saying well, let me that. Let just stop you. So is there reluctance on both the players and the coaches' parts to put him at right tackle? Does Owenu not want to be there because he's in a contract year and he thinks it won't be the best position for him, et cetera? Is there an issue there? I don't think that there's an issue there. I read all those comments as sort of, you know, the Patriots being the Patriots, and, you know, part of it's not revealing, like, oh, is he going to be out there again so the Dolphins can game plan against it? You know, that that sort of thing. But I also think, you know, Look, there has been a reluctance on the part of the coaches, including Belichick, in recent years not to put a window out of right tackle. You know, we, this has always been sort of the ready answer the previous couple of years when they had injury issues was, let's just put a window out to right tackle. And Bill's been asked about it. And, like, you know, he's really a guard. That's what he is. Can he play right tackle? Yeah. You know, but, you know, in that circumstance – he hadn't practiced there. I don't think all su- he didn't practice there all summer. It's been a long time since he's practiced at right guard. So you know, to a veteran, you need to go and ask the guy, "Hey, how do you feel about this? Are you willing to do that?" And really, it was about they had no other options. They couldn't put Vidarian Low out there. Tyrone Wheatley's on IR. Riley Reese on IR, and Vidarian Low was a disaster. And City So can't play right tackle. So they had no one else to play right tackle. I don't think that changes this week, so I, I would assume they keep it the same way. Bill O'Brien said something similar, by the way, about, like, we're not going to commit. Would you guys cut the crap? Come on, right tackle's been a freaking disaster. You're finally get someone out there. He's playing it Sunday. Of course he's playing Sunday. If they don't put him back at right tackle, they're morons. They don't have another right tackle. Put his ass out there and let him play. Long commercial-free segment next. There are some things employees love hearing. Congrats. Nice presentation. Enjoy your vacation, Jack. Hey, there's food in the kitchen. Here's something else they'll love. At Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare, a Point32 health company, we offer benefits that empower employees to live healthier lives. From virtual care to digital tools that encourage healthy living, we've designed our plans with innovative and inclusive benefits that meet the needs of every workforce, giving people what they truly value. It's how we take healthcare personally. Continues on the Sports Hub. Did want to ask you about Mac and just how significant you think it is for him to experience what he did on Sunday and, and from your experience as a coach to go out and execute in that situation. Like how significant is that for for him? Yeah, no, I think I think look, I, I think he did a really good job, and you know he he's you know he's only a third year player. You know you're not you're not talking about a guy that's you know, been around for 12 years. I mean, he's, he's been around for three years and not even three yet. And so, you know, every, every game is a learning uh, situation for him. And certainly he has a lot of experience relative to his rookie year and last year and those things, but you know, he's still a young player. And I think the guys around him did a great job. And I, I think that's really, really important that it, it is, like you said in the beginning, it's a very much of a team game. And, and, you know, we dealt with some adversity in the game, uh, as a team, and we were able to come back, and and you know he's the quarterback. He got us into the right plays on that last drive, and did a really nice job. And, and the guys around him did a really nice job. You know whether it was you know the receivers, the tight ends, the backs. You know Ramondre, Hunter, Pop Douglas, Kendrick Bourne, 
whatever it was, the line up front. You can't do anything without the line up front. So everybody working together, and you know, I think that was that was a, a you know it was good for our team to do that. And now this week's a different game, and we got to get ready for this game. Bill O'Brien with the Mac Jones question. And so the Patriots uh, are all to a man turning it into a team thing, which is what they want to do. But, Greg, do you think that Sunday's a stepping stone for Mac Jones? Absolutely. I mean, I think it, you know, it changes the way his teammates look at him. And, you know, it could be a temporary thing. And, you know, you now need to stack success. Uh, but there's no question that now, you know, there there was some doubt seeping in with the amount of times he was turning it over and putting them into bad situations, you know. You could see it on film that, you know, the body language, the way they looked at him, Hunter Henry, you know, looking at Mac like, you know, dude, what the hell? I was wide open and you throw a pick six and, and, you know, but now this changes the conversation that Mac put together those two touchdown drives in the fourth quarter, especially the last one. Now the teammates, you know, when they, Mac's going to play with more confidence, they're going to have more confidence in him. And so, you know, you would expect that the play would take, you know, another step. Maz Murray. Does this change everything for Mac Jones? I mean, not everything yet, but big step in the right direction. So it, I'll, I'll put it this way. It could change everything. Yeah, I'll give you potentially, because prior to this, I didn't know if he could do it at all, because yeah. the one that he had on his resume was kind of fake because it was aided by a roughing the passer in Houston in his rookie season. Totally legit. I mean, to me, the big thing, too, and Greg touched on this. We touched on it yesterday. You know, there were some mistakes in there that he had to bounce back from whether it was the near pick or the born fumble or the delay game penalty, like he had to then come back on the next play and make up for it. And he did that. So to me, that's a good sign. Like when you can start doing that, then all of a sudden they're not behind the sticks all the time, Mike. And they, you know, uh, first and 15 doesn't become a drive killer. I also liked in this game that, you know, they pretty much eliminated the sideline, like shot plays, like just toss those out. That's not, it's not Mac. And so, you know, and that's something that Patricia relied on a, a ton last year. And that's just not Mac. Mac, you know, he, in that fourth quarter, he was throwing guys open. That Pop Douglas play, you know, deep in the red zone. Pop was not open. Mac threw him open. He threw Hunter Henry open. Uh, you know, in the middle of the field between, you know, the two layers of defense. That's where Mac's at his best, where he's, you know, he understands the concepts and, and the coverage. And, you know, the route combinations, when guys are running the right routes, like he understands how that all synergizes, and then he's able to throw guys open. So they need to continue to build on that stuff that Mac does well and is comfortable with. You give him a puncher's chance this week? Absolutely. I mean, just mostly because of the spot. You know, coming after the Eagles game, Sunday night football, a very physical game, all those brotherly shoves they had to defend, like – you know, they took a lot of gut punches. I mean, at the end of the game, they couldn't they couldn't hold up the Eagles. Like, you know, the Eagles were just sort of running over them and doing what they wanted to do. And and that Eagles team, especially that Eagles offense, takes a ton out of a defense. And even, you know, just defending A.J. Brown, you know, on the outside. Like, you know, those guys are going to be spent. I'll be interested to see if the, if the Dolphins are getting anybody back because I think they were down two cornerbacks. I don't know how close Jalen Ramsey is to coming back. I mean, I still have a... Great deal of respect for Vic Fangio. And, you know, now this is deeper in the season. They saw them week two. That's a good time to get, you know, new coordinator and stuff like that. So, um, and the Dolphins offense is going to be chomping at the bit to get back, you know, to what they were doing. But, yeah, absolutely, I give the the Patriots a puncher's chance. I'll probably pick them to cover the point spread in this, Um, you know, but 
we all know what kind of place that is for them to go into and play. Thanks for coming by, big boy. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Now you can go back to making fun of me when I'm not here. <laughs> not to your face. <laughs> not to my face. Oh, no, no. You don't have to tell us to do that. We're going to do that. <laughs> I know. Uh, we got more of your thoughts. You're all lined up. I promise. We'll go right to you after Murray's 90-second update here. No commercial. There's a book that's endured for generations, shaped entire nations, and is still the best-selling book of all time. It's a book that tells of prophets and preachers, of kings and carpenters, a book meant for everyone. There's more to the story. Explore the book you thought you knew at Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Plan your visit today at museumofthebible.org explore.